There are many good reasons for drinking. One has just entered my head. If a man doesn't drink when he's living, how the hell can he drink when he's dead? Hi there, welcome to another Drunk Nerd with Roy and today's special guest, Steve. Now, as we know, each podcast starts off with a very special drinking toast. So, the one we're going to start off with is going to be one of Steven's personal favorites. So, here we go. There are many good reasons for drinking. One has just entered my head. If a man doesn't drink when he's living, how the hell can he drink when he's dead? It's one of those ones that kind of just jumped out at me. It feels good. It feels right. It feels right. right. Yeah. Ah, delicious. So, right now, Steve is drinking... What are you you drinking there over there, Steve? Got myself some D20 Pilsner from the Paladin Brewing Company of Austintown, Ohio. Which is honestly one of the best and my personal favorite breweries. They just, they they know how to do it right. Uh, I'm drinking a Natural Bohemian, which is a Baltimore beer from my dear friend Jimmy. You are a Natural Bohemian. Oh, thank you. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm going to take it (laughs) as a compliment. You shouldn't. Yeah. So today's episode is another... Pokemon episode, and as we know, we're covering a topic that's probably already been covered before many, many times. Many times, but honestly, everybody's take on Pokemon is different. Absolutely. Uh, I know, I've been playing Pokemon for a, a really long time, since I can remember, but Steve is taking it to the next level, and Steve is what I would call a Pokemon expert. I would call myself an expert. Uh, it depends on if you're talking about gameplay. I would consider myself very knowledgeable on gameplay, but... That, that competitive scene of Pokemon I've never, ever touched. Well, that's it, very that's, difficult to break into. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but no, you do know a lot about the uh, the gameplay itself, but I'm talking regards to the anime because I gave up seasons ago, but you're still very up-to-date on that. I, I gave up for a little bit, and uh, I kind of just picked it up back at uh, the Gen 6, the Kalos region. It was during a pandemic, and I kind of ran out of stuff to watch. So I'm like, let's indulge in a little bit of nostalgia. Well, of course, that's really what the pandemic <laughs> was. It was just honestly re- reigniting passions that you forgot you had. Now, but now the anime was is pretty good. Um, obviously, I think anybody here who can claim themselves to be a Pokemon fan has at least seen uh, the Indigo League, which is the first season, uh, the second season. Um, who can forget when Charizard finally started listening to Ash? And, yeah, that was uh, it. He finally got a badge that was high enough for someone to listen to. Uh, yeah. Those those gameplay mechanics that always seem to make an appearance when uh, when it's convenient. When it's fitting to the story, you know, <laughs> as everything goes. Uh, the Hoenn League I watched. Uh, Sinnoh League was probably one of my most favorite arcs. In, yeah, in, you forced me to listen to the opening many times. Oh, yeah. No, that was the Kalos opening. It was the Kalos opening I, I made you listen to. Unova was... It was okay. There's a lot of... People here will learn that Gen 5 is not my favorite. Even if it comes to the gameplay or the anime, it was not my favorite. But Gen 6, I think, is one of my favorite animes. No, I get that. I mean, Pokemon now has, what, over 900 different Pokemon that now exist in the Pokedex today. Eights, nines. Yeah, it's, it's, it's high eights, low nines. But it's, it's... I wouldn't say it's gotten out of hand, but it's definitely evolved well past from what we did as a child. When did you start playing Pokemon? Like, what do you remember as one of your first memories of Pokemon? So, my first game that I played was Blue back in 96. Uh, so, you would have been in what? Uh, four or five at that time? 
Uh, I think it was five or six, depending on the year. It came out in 96. Maybe it was like 97, 98 I played. It was a long time ago, but... Um, yeah, Blue was my first version, and I've been playing religiously ever since. Um, Yellow, the, all the Johto, Ho and Sinnoh. Some ups, some downs with my opinions on certain certain regions, but no, it's been a long time coming. It's a long time franchise. I'm 30 years old, and I still play it, and it's just, it's fun. Uh, and you're excited, obviously, for the new Pokemon game is coming out, especially since... <sighs> Uh, the remake is going to be Pearl Diamond, which one of, is your favorite region? Yes, your so favorite generation. Gen Four is my absolute favorite gen. Uh, in terms of the gameplay, I think the storyline combined with the Elite Four and Champion battles, which I think is one of the tops, top criterion for any game, is just the best. Well, Pearl Diamond was also the first game to be played on the uh, the DS. Yeah. So it really had like a lot of like different features, like the wonder trade, uh, like like the apps that you had two screens at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it was like really revolutionary to that like game uh, uh, that Pokemon era type thing. You go from the Game Boy versions, which uh, I was a, a Game Boy SP fan, uh, which kind of introduced that flip mechanic. Uh, my best quality on that was definitely the, the built-in light because I think we all can remember playing games in the dark and have that built-in light adapter on the screens for, like, the Game Boy Colors and oh, in the, the Game Boy Advance. Absolutely. I remember uh, we would go and visit my family in New York, and on the way home, I would play Pokemon uh, Yellow or Pokemon Silver by uh, by road light. Like, what I could get in between passing glances is like, oh, yeah, you would, you my would... Game Boy Color, my Game Boy Advance, and, like, I could just see a little bit here. I'm like, oh, light. Oh, light. You, you would just hope that you, you're in a busy city or a street where there was lots of lights and maybe you got stopped at a red light to maybe you have enough light to uh, to do a battle. Exactly. So the, the SP was super nice uh, in that regard because it just like afforded that backlighting. Yeah, but the DS, and especially Gen 4, just introduced that, that sub-screen, the touch screen, that kind of just gave you a little bit more interface. Even the first opening credits of, of uh, Diamond and Pearl, I think Pearl was my, was my first one in that one because red's my favorite color and Pearl's Kind of the closest to that color. The offshoot, yeah. Yeah, the more pinkish, but yeah, close enough like to red. That, that soft red is yeah. what I would call it. Um, you touch the Pokeball to um, start the tutorial. It's like, oh, this is this is different. We're getting fancy. Getting Ooh, fancy. A little fancy. Uh, but no, Gen 4 absolutely is my favorite generation, uh, I think. Like I said, you got to combine different factors. There's the, the Mons that have been released. There's the storyline. And then there's just Mons these. are Pokemon. Yeah, short, sorry, I should probably because we're douches. So because you know, the Mons instead of Pokemons, because one syllable is kind of what we're doing here. Yeah, um, we're just going for that short slang, you know. Where, you, you know Mons. If you know Mons, you know Mons. Yeah. No need for the Poke, but um, it was just a really good version. And I said the the Gen Four, Elite Four, and Champion are the toughest, I think. And I thought Gen Two. I, I spent a lot of hours doing the Lance battle. Um, of course, yeah. With his inappropriately leveled Dragonites. Two of them. All of them. Yeah. The Gyarados. Those... His max level was level 50, and he had mm-hmm. two level 47 Dragonites, so I don't know what no, what, uh, what Game Shark he was using. But, <laughs> um, no, I, I remember spending hours on that battle just starting over. But Cynthia, as the Gen 4, was just ungodly tough with her... Her just broken Garchomp. Of course. Oh, excuse me. 
Uh, like it's like we know, this is a, it's called another drunk nerd. So Steve and I have been uh, partaking in some libation for uh, those uh, dictionary buffs. You know, we went to one of our local taverns, uh, the High Point. We enjoyed ourselves a little bit, and now we're here recording this episode. Uh, so obviously, you know a little bit about the anime, or a lot apparently. But so, what are some of your favorite moments from the anime across all of its many generations? Um, I kind of touched on it earlier, but I think my first notable was Ash's big loss in the Indigo League, which was the first season. Um, The episode where it came down to like a one-on-one battle uh, versus a trainer, uh, Richie, I believe the name was the name of the trainer. He had a, uh, it's either his Butterfree, no, sorry, it was his, uh, his Pikachu versus Ash's Charizard. And Ash's Charizard refused to listen at that point, and so Ash by default lost that battle and knocked him out of the Indigo League. I mean, in Charizard's defense, who in the middle of some strenuous work doesn't want to take it up? He had eight badges. By game rules, he should have listened. I don't know, but he was, I mean... Granted, Ash in Gen 1 earned his badges somewhat questionably. Uh, I was like, oh, you did a good job on that thing that's nothing related to the gym. I feel like you deserve a badge. You deserve a badge. You didn't beat me. Hello, child. But you here's turned a badge. You turned my lights back on. So here's a badge. <laughs> You're resourceful. Yeah. Um, I think second after that would be uh, going kind of just back to Ash as the main protagonist uh, when he was in the Orange Island League. Tracy. Brock, uh, Tracy. Was, Brock was gone. Misty was still there. But Brock Tracy. was doing some some breeder stuff. Uh, but it was a battle against Polyraph where. Polly Wrath, sorry, where Charizard got owned and frozen, and Ash kind of nursed the night health and started listening to him after that. Yeah, you know, self care, little like like work. You know, you really bond with someone when you heal them back from the death. Right, because you know that that tail flame goes out, you die. Yeah, which which by the way is probably my favorite and most heartbreaking moment from the anime. Like when we first meet that Charizard when he's a Charmander, uh, is it's raining outside. He's got a leaf. Covering his tail because he knows what happens. I remember bawling as a child. Heart- this adorable orange lizard is about to be dead. Uh, attacked by Spiro, which seems to be a main Some thing. Some dick Spiros. Like what the? Fu- I don't. I still don't like fucking Firo, but let alone Spiro is just like we're gonna. <laughs> He's not a bad on a playthrough. We'll go through that later. Well, however, um, no, but it's a t- Gen One was definitely the anime was a lot of the tear jerkers, um, but Ash. Definitely gets a lot better throughout the course of the anime. Um, he uh, never the wins. course of his twenty years in anime. His twenty years being age, ten hasn't aged more than like a day and a half. Right. I I don't know what time skip they're doing, but it seems like they're on these journeys for years. But it seems like you kind of have to admit that maybe only months go by. Hey, mom, I haven't talked to you in I don't know what's it been a couple of months, ten years, whatever. But and that makes sense up until like the fourth, fifth season anime where he's still ten. It's like all right here. You're not going on these one-month Pokemon journeys. Yeah, who are you, Bart Simpson? Come on, let's. Uh, let's you can't be the same age for forty years. Let's, let's evolve a little bit, shall we? <laughs> um, but my, I think my next favorite. Um, I gotta skip the the Hoenn League. It was a good league, but nothing of note. Ash lost again, but nothing of real importance really happened. But well, Ash has what had one Pokemon championship in his history in yeah. twenty years. He's won one, and that was and that's the still, most. Re- was that Unova? That, that won was that? the. Um, sorry, it was the Sun and Moon generation, the Alola region. The Alola but there's a region. lot of scrutiny over that yeah. well, because he won the league on a three versus three battle, mm-hmm. um, in which he became champion. But he did beat 
uh, Professor Kakui in the full six-on-six battle, which I think is the champion region battle. But obviously, Kakui started the league. He can't be the champion of his own league. So Ash became champion on, on a three-versus-three battle with Gladion. Wait, but he won on a default? He won on a three. No, it was a legit win, but it was three-on-three. Three, not the full six-on-six, six, oh, you would think. Oh, okay. But he did beat Kakui in the Island Guardian Tapu Koko in the final battle, which I believe earns him the right of champion. But most of these other, like, um, Hoenn League, Sinnoh League, they're... The semifinals on up are full six on six battles, so it's like it's kind of like he got it, but he kind of it was a cheaper way to get it. Yeah, unless it's the Orange League, where it's hey, who can make the best toboggan get down this hill the quickest, <laughs> and then that's who's going to be the champion. Right? Hey, you, you, your Pokemon has a Vine Whip. Perfect. Let's like he can ush us along. Yeah. Um, but then again, he did in the same fashion as the Alola Rage. He did beat Drake. Which was the, he was the champion of the Orange League in a full six on six battle. Um, obviously, the first four challenges being more or less gym badges to get to that point. Uh, so he was the champion of the Orange League. But talking in terms of what's canon uh, gameplay, he he you know the Orange League was never a part of the gameplay. But so I remember when I was younger, there was a guidebook that came out to Pokemon. Oh. It was it was a little little book. It was colored and it had like the type, like versus ty- uh, across the board was like fire, dragon, water, grass, rock, uh, all across the board. And there was this little so in in the grass section there was like a magmar, but it was like a misprint. And I just remember like that infuriated me. <laughs> I'm like I see a lot of green, which is my personal favorite color, and then a fu- a fucking magmar like. What are you doing? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Why are you even on the same page? Because there was another Magmar in the fire section. I just remember... A grass Magmar would be cool. It would... In later gens, because Gen 1 was not very kind to the grass type, but... Uh, No, I mean, even even Gen 2 wasn't kind to grass type, Uh, which leads us into... For those of you who like Chikorita. Yeah, which leads (laughs) us into the the kind of, like, the next portion. Steven, who's your least favorite starter Pokemon? My least favorite starter... Um, you, you gotta split it up in terms of design versus viability of in a course. playthrough. Who's the most effective when you're like, hey, this is going to be the, essentially the Pokemon I use my entire playthrough. Um, going in terms of playthrough viability, my least favorite is definitely Chikorita. Because as we just said, the, the Gen 2 is not kind to the grass type. It just Chikorita was a defense, special defense type. Um, but even the grass type was very... Okay. Very minimally super effective. Yeah, and then, because, well, the first gym it was flying. First gym was flying. Which grass is useless against. The second gym was bug type. Which, which is fucking even more useless. Right. Maybe Gen 1 bug type, maybe, but Gen 2 added some buffs uh, yeah. to the to the bug type. Because you had the Scythor and the uh, the Scizor. Like, it added a bunch of, like, really yeah, bu- cool... Yeah, Bugsy Scyther, its ace move was Fury Cutter, which the first two or three turns... Bug type. Not all that great, but it does get stab. Yeah, which uh, stab is the same type attack bonus. So in gens one through four, I thought stab didn't really take place until gen four. Gens one through four, stab actually increased a move's power by uh, two times its original power. Mm-hmm. Gens five up to current is one point five times. So, uh, so it nerfed it a bit. It did. Uh, Fury Cutter had a base fifteen power that obviously it, it got stronger the more it connected. But a base 15 power in Gen 2 was essentially a base 30 power. 
against a super effective hit against the grass type, such as Chikorita or Bayleaf at that time, it was a base 60 power that only got stronger against grass types. It just And then Whitney's Meltang, I think... Rollout killed oh. every... I don't care... <laughs> I don't care what Pokemon you had. Miltank was your Miltank was broken in like, Gen oh, Two. Goldenrod City. This place is amazing. Like this is like extensive. I get an Eevee. Oh, I can. I'm ready to face the gym. Like the. Yeah. No. 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 You were. You were never ready because no. it just like was on a roll. Just speaking and, on, and on Gen Two Miltank. Just we're not even speaking Gen Four Miltank, which which was even more broken than Gen Two Miltank. Rollout was another one of those moves that. Got stronger the more it hit. I think it was again it was a base fifteen power that doubled each time. Yeah, but that move was specifically designed uh, to with every succession it got stronger. And I'm not sure if it got. It had healing moves. I think it it held an Orenberry in battle, but I think it had milk drink. And now I know for a fact that it had milk drink in yeah. Gen four. I think it might have also had it in Gen two. Stomp being a stab, normal move on Miltank, mm-hmm. uh, sixty base power. Stab times two at that point, and it had the chance of flinching. Um, you you essentially had to do the in-game trade. I think it was Abra for Machop. So you could get yeah to actually have a chance. But if you were like me, when you're ten, eleven years old and didn't really have any friends with a link cable, and uh, your parents only bought you one Game Boy, you couldn't trade up to get the the Machamp if you wanted to grind. I do actually want to... So you were stuck with a macho, which, why would you want to have a macho? Yeah, I do actually want to remark on that. <laughs> uh, for people who don't know, for maybe people who are younger and, I don't know, uh, haven't really experienced Pokemon at the older levels... The Gen Zers, Wires, QX, Zers, the whatever. Wires. Like, with your Game Boy Color, because that's what silver and gold came out on, uh, it was a physical cable that you hooked up to your Game Boy or Game Boy Color and hooked up to the other persons, and that's how you made trades. It was the only way to make trades, because this is before Wi-Fi, where the internet was wild, wildly easily available, and it was like, oh, do you play Pokemon? You want this? Yeah, this, no, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, do you do you have a link cable? This wasn't a Wonder no. Trade era. No, I remember I, I, uh, my, I didn't have a link cable. My cousin, Sean, who uh, had a blue, curly link cable, who, t- who just took everything from me. He was a bastard when it came to trades, whether it be Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever. He was just like, no, we're going to trade. And I was like, this oh, is okay. good for you. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, no. So that's how it was. Even like Game Boy Advance, yeah, it was it was ridiculous. Uh, the only the time DS- I ever actually ran with a Machamp, uh, for those of you who are more nostalgic like us and want to play Pokemon Yellow, there was an in-game trade in Yellow. You're talking where uh, around Lieutenant Sarge... Yeah, around the Lieutenant Surge gym, I forget what you send, but you get a macho, but this is pre Everstone. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as you do the trade, I, oh, it's a Cubone. Yeah, you trade a Cubone, Cubone from yeah. Lavender Tower, you get a macho that will instantly evolve into a Machamp. Which is nice because that's the only way you could get in trade games if you didn't have friends who would trade with you. Right. Uh, I was like, oh, the NPC said he'll trade with me. He's my friend. <laughs> we, we won't talk about Gen 4's Gasper the Haunter. Where you get a haunter in a trade, but the NPC in that game will tell you that, you know, I think... Oh, quoting, I had an Everstone Quoting direct dialogue, hee hee, I bet you were expecting an evolution, but I gave my haunter an item that prevents it from evolving, and it's, of course, an Everstone. Bit of a dick move. A lot of a dick a move. A lot of a dick move. move. But, but, but okay. Uh, so, we did talk about your what's, your... what's your favorite starter? Like My favorite starter, and I this might be a tired topic for some, the firefighting type... 
for a, a final form starter has been just used at nauseum. Uh, you start All with the fire, fire, fire starter type as a Blaziken. Charizard, Typhlosion, Blaziken. Charizard being a fire flying. Typhlosion being a pure fire. But yeah. once Gen 3 happened, you get Blaziken, Firefighter. Fire you get Infernape, Firefighter. You get yeah. Ambor, Firefighting. Fire yeah. Um, I do like they mix it up with Delphox in Gen 6. Uh, fire Psychic, although I'm not a fan of her design. But I think my most favorite starter, and I was, and I'm a Gen Oneer, so yeah, by all playing rights, since you were a child, by all rights, my favorite starter should be Charizard, um, just because of the anime. But anime like Infernape is my favorite starter. It is one of the, it is the second fire fighting starter, but playthrough viability, it is amazing. It has equal attack and special attack, so you can run flamethrower or fire punch you can run close combat all of which are stab mm -hmm. and then you go into the anime where ash actually has an infernape against uh paul in the final in the semifinals i'm sorry the pre-semifinals um it would be the quarterfinals uh yeah, chimchar actually chimchar actually oh thank you uh chimchar actually belonging to paul his rival paul discards the chimchar because it's weak Ash trains it up from a Chimchar. So you're to saying an there's, there's essentially another situation with a fire starter Pokemon where it's abandoned by its trainer, mm -hmm. and Ash picks up the dust and retrains it into something amazing. Absolutely, it's, it's like a theme. It's like a theme. It's, it's more the than anime. one, apparently. But and of course, Ash uh, Ash's Infernape beating his former trainer Paul's Electivire, which again Gen Four just being awesome too. Gen One, Gen Two Pokemon with with, the, with, the, the with regards to it, like a new evolution, but. Yeah. Um, Something like that underdog story, but again, I'm not more of an anime guy. I'm more of a gameplay guy. Yeah, but of course. in the the gameplay, Infernape just wrecks. Its attack, special, and speed are just off the charts. So, I'll tell you what. Uh, for Alligator was one of my personal favorites. I don't know if it was just I was a child and it looked, it sounded like Crocodile or Alligator, but for Alligator was ferocious. It was a good design, but did you know that Gen 2 for Alligator versus the Heart Gold Soul Silver for Alligator could not learn. It was either Ice Punch or Ice Fang or both. It had no Ice type coverage in Gen 2. But it could in, in Gen 4. In Gen 4, I believe it learns Ice Fang by Level Up or Tutor. Um, but no, if I wasn't choosing Typhlosion on the playthrough team, it was, it was definitely for Alligator. Oh, Gen 2, 100% for Alligator. I would say Gen 1. Uh, they're all, I love Blastoise, Venusaur is okay, but Gen Charizard... Gen 1 was the most consistent with their starters, like, ah, they're all good. They really are But Gen 2 on up, it's like, there's two that are good, and one, Chikorita, but that then, you can just discard. I thought about Mega Charizard, and even the shiny form of Charizard, that sleek black, it reminds me of a Rayquaza, oh, which is shiny just Rayquaza. gorgeous. Like, it's ridiculous how much I really, I just like, it's like... They really favor, though, Charizard with the, giving the Mega Evolution. Because it's got X two different versions. Yeah, it's got the X and Y versions, uh, the pure dragon. Uh, it was a dragon fire with X, yeah. dragon flying with, with y. y. Yeah. Uh, but moving, but speaking of Rayquaza, uh, I believe that is one of your favorite legendary Pokemon that's that across my the generation. Absolute favorite, absolute favorite. Um, it's it's one of those situations where in Ruby and Sapphire, it's a level seventy post game. Uh, yeah, because you had to find the Island of Mirage, which is uh, uh, but you had to definitely 
you know, navigate those whirlpools exactly so you can end up where you wanted. Right. No, well, the, the Mirage Islands in Gen 3 were more for the, the why not. You, you could get to um, Sky Pillar, which was Rayquaza's home. Yeah. But in Ruby and Sapphire, it was only available post-game. After, after you either caught or defeated Grudon or Kyogre. Well, you had to beat the whole league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emerald is when it became available pre-league. Because which it was, was, it was my, necessary which for was my favorite third generation game. Emerald, Emerald was... Because it had the Battle Frontier. It right. had all that stuff with like Rayquaza. And it had Grudon and Kyogre in like an equal terms. Mm-hmm. It was like a more defined story. Like it just really made the cut Sapphire better. The cutscene with Emerald where you release Rayquaza. You go it, back to Setopolis and it comes down from the heavens. And, and just, like Grudon and Kyogre are fighting. And it's like, ah, uh, kids, mm-hmm. knock I, it off. I have one job and you guys this are is already it. fucking that up. Yeah, <laughs> so let's, like, let's simmer down a bit, shall but we? But you could actually, actually, actually catch Rayquaza going... Prior to going to the Elite, the Elite Four. Four. Yeah. Uh, in Emerald. I think it was only. a level 45 in Emerald. Um, now, back when I was 11 or 12 years old, I always went into the Elite Four with the box art legendary. I don't do it so much anymore because it is kind of cheating. Uh, base stat totals being over 600. Um, it just kind of wrecks. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, well. Well, what about, what's your least favorite? We know your now favorite is Rayquaza, but there's yeah. like generations of, of legendaries that exist, and what, what is one you're not feeling? So, when it, tem- when it comes to terms of the least favorite, I always look in terms of forgettableness. Like, which Pokemon do you forget even exists? Mm-hmm. And for me, not so much that you forget that it forget that it exists, but you also forget which generation it came from. Uh, it's got to be Heatran for yeah. me. I love the Fire Steel type. But is it a Gen 4 or a Gen 5? I can't tell you without looking it up. Which not, we actually like, did look it up. So here's yeah. the thing. It's not it's like not we we don't know because it appears in platinum which barely fucking counts because it's not in diamond or pearl and then it reappears in generation 6. So it's like a, a little post game type thing. It's and post it's game like, and I guess it counts. Yeah, Gen 4 it's post game and I believe it's Stark Mountain. Uh, after you beat the Elite 4 you go to the Battle Frontier and it, it makes a cut scene. Um that gives you access to, to where you can get it at. Gen 5 being in Reversal Mountain, which is not available until, I think, after... it's after, You can get the Reversal Mountain, I think, relatively easily. Yeah. But I think you can't catch Heatran until post-game. But it, it just... It's just forgettable for me. It just I don't like forgettableness in terms of my legendary Pokemon. Yeah, because that's exactly what it is. For me, it's... Um, I don't know name one of the legendaries from the Alola region. Like, one of the three, like, Tapa, yeah. Kapka. It's like, it's the same thing with, like, a variation. Like, they, they bring in Latios and Latias in uh, Hoenn, and it's like, oh, like you know twins that. of the same thing. But then, like, they, they like, Tornadus and... Thunderous and Thunderous and Landorus. Even, like, but even that, there was a weather trio. I get it. But it's just like, like, those, like, Tapa, Cocoa, like, you have to do, like, a whole bunch of things. It's like, you're barely a legendary, I guess. You're an um, island guardian, you're a borderline mythical, yeah. but you're only a legendary because there's only one of you. Yeah. Which, I mean, if technically, if you want to throw that out there, then any starter Pokemon is a legendary because you'd only get one of those in each of the games. Unless you do something like you, Island Scan. Yeah, the, or like the Wonder Trades and all that stuff. Or but, breeding. Yeah, like there's like, you can't breed legendaries, right. obviously, but it's, I don't know. I'm going to go on a default here on a tear right now and say anything involving Gen 7 is probably my least favorite. So anything that I say that is my least favorite is more or less my second least favorite. 
I get that because I liked. I mean, I played Moon, and it was like this is this is okay. I've been waiting for a new Pokemon game. It's on the 3DS, uh, and then um, <laughs> Steven had a fit over there. Uh, but then like like Ultra Sun and Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. I I bought Ultra Sun because I played Moon initially, and it just wasn't that entertaining. <laughs> well, Gazintite. Oh, all right. by all means. As long as you didn't sneeze on your beer, which is okay. And he's still drinking a D20 from Paladin. For those of you who enjoy 20-sided die, that is the uh, inspiration for the beer. It's a very uh, Dungeons & Dragons-esque brewery. It is. Uh, The name of the brewery is Paladin Brewing. It's honestly phenomenal. They've got the uh, the D20. They've got the Orange Cream Signal, which has a fairy on it. There's the Holy Knight IPA, which I'm not a big IPA fan, but it was actually pretty good. There's the, uh, what's the, the blonde, Sir Kenneth. Sir Kenneth. Sir Kenneth, the blonde ale. Uh, but it's just like, it's got a, it's a very nerdy vibe, and, you know, another if, drunk nerd. if anybody here is in the, in the neighborhood of Austin Town, go and check out Powder Brewery on Mahoning Avenue. 100% supported. Not a sponsor, but just the fan. Yeah, you know? I mean, honestly, I wish they'd sponsor us. Right. But they're just, it's, it's such a phenomenal little place, and my favorite little tidbit is there's another brewery in Youngstown. Uh, they make Penguin City, and they had they had this dinky little place uh, that's next to an old train station, and they don't have the facilities to, to you know, bottle and keg their own beer. So they reached out to some local breweries, and Paladin, they kegged it and bottled it all, and then they sold it out and gave the majority of the profits to Penguin City, who are now able to buy themselves a fully fledged. Like brewery, like they can do their own facility. Oh, it's phenomenal! It's like it's a Youngstown special. You get on tap at the Whistle and Keg downtown. It's on tap everywhere. It's on tap at High Point where we came from. It's on tap at Shakers and Amen Corner. It's all over the place. Uh, for those who don't know, we're coming from Youngstown, so we're very proud of where we come from—the Steel City adjacent to Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, so delicious beer, and we'll, we'll always support them and always drink. Enough advertising, because we're not getting paid for that. We're not getting paid at all. I know. We're just drinking and having a good time. Goddamn right. Uh, So, essentially anything from the Alola region. I understand its its origins. You want to do island stuff. Um, Obviously, anything involving, like, Hawaii, uh, very sacred traditions. Of course. Uh, Everybody knows that you can draw a Pokemon's origin from a a particular city Mm -hmm. or... Location in the world, you know, Gen Eight Sword and Shield being England, uh, Gen Six being France. Exactly. If you listen to the uh, the opening credit, I actually went into detail about that. So each generation has a different uh, in where where they take inspiration from. Obviously, Alola has Hawaii, um, like different like France, the UK, different regions in Japan, like Kanto Jodo, all those things across the board. Uh, New York City is inspired in one, so uh, that'd be the Gen Five. Yeah, you know, the big city, you know, yeah. region. Yeah, that was that was inspired by New York City. So it's I like how it started off as a stinky little company in Japan, where I don't know if you knew this, but the uh, the CEO, like the original creator of Pokemon, uh, the, where it came from was his fascination with collecting bugs in his youth. Right. So it's like, oh, well, it, if I took this to the next level in maybe like a, uh, a pixelized form, Pokemon Monsters, which, you know, uh, Pokemon uh, Pocket Monsters, as it was uh, originated, which came across a lot. And it's just like, it's nice to see that it's the popular Pokemon, obviously, as we know, has been spanning almost 25 years. We've gotten 
dozens of movies, animes, manga, books, cartoons, cards, cards, the card game, like, is, and it's just to see that, like, they're not just like, oh, well, we're from Japan, so we're going to stick it, but they take, they take inspiration from across the world. France. No one's inspired by if France. You're, if you're a true nerd, I mean, you, you watch a, an anime or read a manga or seven. Yeah, and there's, there's, there's so many different references across the board. Um, in that case, let me say this. Uh, that was a beer break, if you've ever heard of those. Uh, we had to refill, because refill. another drunk nerd, drunk is the emphasis there, coming in hot. Uh, you were saying, Stephen. So, going back off of what you were saying about the uh, creator... Uh, of Pokemon, I believe they, and anyone out there may disagree with me or know what I'm talking about. They actually, I believe, paid him or the Game Freak CEO homage in black and white uh, being a post-game repeatable battle um, in Castilia City. You could actually, I know for a fact it's the Game Freak CEO is in there, uh, but I believe, and I can't say for some because I never actually made it to that point. Because uh, they're like level 70 challenges, uh, but you can actually fight uh, top admins of Game Freak and uh, even I believe in even the creator of Pokemon. Um, that's actually that's actually very entertaining because uh, I might be wrong on that last part, but in, definitely the Game Freak company you can actually battle. Which in in early video games, the designers meant nothing. Like uh, the companies who owned them. Oh, excuse me. Um, they would just like disregard like anything like the designers did, and then one of the first games. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've read Ready Player One by Ernest Cline, phenomenal series, but you talked about like Easter eggs, and one of the designers for one of the oldest video games, uh, he he put inside of it an, an Easter egg said created by his name, uh, just like because they weren't getting paid that much, and it was like a little like inspiration to other game designers out there. But I remember specifically in the first generation of Pokemon, when you get to Viridian City, where you find Eevee for the first time, it's in uh, like Celadon. the in Celadon, yeah, uh, in the Game Freak building. The Game Freak building, like they actually put like their designers and like all that stuff in a building where you could talk to them and they'd give you like tips, and it was like all based on some of their like higher like game designers. And I th I, I love that. Like it's just like this game, this series has lasted for so long. It was because it doesn't just cater to the fans; it caters to the people who care about it and have designed it. So like. That's really cool that they did that. I didn't even know that they did that for they the They kept CEO. it going. It was post-game, but you could actually battle. And, oh, my God, it was, like I said, level 60s and 70s. It was a post-Elite 4 battle. Um, but, wow. That's awesome. That That's really cool. Uh, speaking of kind of like, like kind of that thing, uh, us as fans have really taken Pokemon to the next level. You know, we've, we've all played through in the normal, like, atmosphere. But... A, a big sensation that's been around for probably five to ten years is Pokemon Nuzlocke. Oh yes. And Steven and I and I myself have also had a little experience with Pokemon Nuzlocke. Essentially, Pokemon Nuzlocke is a specific set of series and rules that you set to yourself at the beginning of a game. Like you can only catch one of each Pokemon, and you can only catch the first Pokemon that you meet when you Corral. enter that region. And when a Pokemon faints, it's gone dead forever. And you have to nickname it, which let you tell you has it. ruined me because I have nicknamed. My mons after pets, and it sucks when they die. Because Steven has himself a very adorable little dog that is named Cooper, and he's decided that every time he does his Pokemon Nuzlocke, his starter's name is Cooper. So he fights and he fights and he sees Cooper die it's, constantly it because sucks. he's just not good enough. <laughs> uh, Nuzlocke's are definitely a self-imposed rule set that just came 
to be very popular these past few years. Yeah, if you've seen, like, there's a lot of streaming. Uh, I know I've watched TFS. Uh, Team Four Star does a lot of, like, their Pokemon Nuzlocke for each generation. There's uh, a, you, you know a lot more that do it. Um, MJ TV, I know, does a few. He's not real big on Nuzlocke, but uh, Pokemon 7 on YouTube will do Nuzlocke. Uh, Purple Cliff will do Nuzlocke with, with challenges. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I know him and Pokemon 7 do, like, randomizer where everything's randomized on a route. Um but just if you're doing base Nuzlocke, the big rule set, like Roy said, is uh, you can only catch the first Pokemon you encounter per route. You can you have to nickname them uh, each time you catch them, and then if they die, they're they're gone from the game forever. And uh, I, my first ever Nuzlocke attempt was unfortunately on Black Two and White Two which is the Gen 5 game, which I looked up afterwards after I failed horribly. One of the more tougher games to uh, to Nuzlocke as a first try. Uh, Roy and I are currently in, a, in the middle of a, Omega a Nuzlocke of Omega Alpha Ruby Sapphire. Alpha Sapphire, which is a Gen 7 remake of the Gen 3 games, Ruby and Sapphire. Uh, eventually, one day we'll we'll finish. We'll this. finish it. Yeah, we'll there, finish it. Honestly, yeah. it's it's extremely easy because you have mega evolutions. It's it's just extremely easy to, to nuzlocke those particular games. The nuzlocke that I find that is the most challenging but beatable is got to be platinum. Is I've heard that's like the easiest one to do. It's not so much it's easiest. Um, definitely the ruby sapphire emerald are definitely the easiest in my opinion. Platinum is more of the intermediate level. Mm. But Platinum is my most favorite generation. Yeah, you're, you're a fan for Gen 4. Um, so it's just super easy. I have yet to complete a Nuzlocke on it because when your starter named after your pet dies... Uh, in it's really I- hard in, to go on. In, in Iron Island, when you get swept by dual earthquaking gravelers or dual self-destructing gravelers, it just... And four of your six top mons have, are, are taken out and you have to start over with just like beginning route Pokemon, it's just really tough to go on. Yeah. Uh, so I know we're, we're getting into probably almost the 40-minute mark here. So I do want to... <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy how time flies. I do want to like touch upon a couple other things. Give me your favorite Pokemon, period. Top I, of the list. Top of the list for me is 100% Tyranitar. Is that a Gen 4 Pokemon? That is a Gen 2 Pokemon. Oh, a Gen 2 Pokemon. Oh, and this was contradictory. Before, this was before that I understood what pseudo-legendary meant. Um, pseudo-legendary being a Pokemon that has base stat totals equal to that of the box art legendaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gen 1 pseudo-legendary being Dragonite. Gen 2 being Tyranitar. Uh, Gen 3 actually had two pseudo-legendaries being Salamence and Metagross. But after Gen 4, every pseudo-legend was a dragon type. Uh, Gen 4 is being Garchomp. Gen 5 being uh, Hydreigon. Gen 6 being Gudra. Gen 7 being Kama'o. And Gen 8 being uh, Dragapult. Uh, Which I actually really enjoyed. I love Dragapult and Kamana. And there's like a whole bunch of other other things. uh, Tyranitar is my absolute favorite. I know it's, it's... not the strongest type, uh, being a rock and dark type. It's quad weak to fighting. Uh, for those who don't understand in-game mechanics, um, if a Pokemon is weak to uh, one type, the damage done to it is doubled. Uh, but if a Pokemon of two types, which Tyranitar being a rock and dark type, is weak to the same type of move, the move gets 
times four damage. So he gets fucked real hard. Real and hard not, by not, fighting type. And not in the fun way. Real hard by fighting type. Uh, Rock and Dark both being weak to the fighting type. Yeah. Um, but even still, I just loved his design from the get-go. My only he's complaint... He's a badass. He's a badass, but you can only... In Gen 2 Gold, Silver, Crystal, you can only get a... Post-game. Uh, a Larvitar. Once you get to Mount Silver... Which is after you get all 16 badges and you're going to fight Red in the final battle of the game. Uh, I've never actually played through a game with a legitimate Larvitar. Um, I've always had to use a Game Shark code to make my all first. The game Shark. All the, the Game Shark where you can steal your opponent's Pokemon. Absolutely. Use uh, rare candies out the wazoo. I never did it that much, but I always made my first encounter uh, or the. In Gen 2, once you get your Pokeballs and you're yeah. in uh, New Bark Town, uh, every encounter after your, you get your balls would be whatever you set it to be. In which case, me, I would set mine to be Larvitar. I would catch it and then turn off the cheat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only way I could ever actually run through a Gen 2 game with a, with a Larvitar Tyranitar. Um, it sucks because it's, it's just an all-time favorite of mine. I get that. If I had to say my favorite... It's tough. It's tough because there's so many. I mean, how can I pick out of 800 Pokemon? Um, I'm going to, I mean, I would go first generation, probably. I mean, Arcanine. Fire. He's a good boy. I mean, look at him. He's a good boy. He's a big old boy. You see Ash riding him in, like, the opening credits. He's just a good boy. And he is the legendary Pokemon, which I don't know how he wasn't a legendary. But in his Pokedex, actually, it says the legendary Pokemon. I think Arcanine was meant to be. A legendary. He, he 100%. I mean, look at he's, he's glorious. A, a, a mane that you know is very soft. It's so soft. A little fire. You know, it's, a little, it's warm. You know, nice on a nice winter day. That just, that just speaks to our, our millennialness, you know, because yeah. Gen 1, Gen 2 are our generation. It is. And Gen, Generation 2 is by far my favorite. I do. I adore Soul Silver and Heart Gold because you can go through two different generations, Kanto and Johto, and, like, they have, like, like the, all, like, the extra stuff. Like, you can catch Arceus and Celebi and all that stuff in Soul Silver. Oh, Soul Silver, yeah. Yeah, Soul Silver and Heart Gold. And my, like, I played, like, Pokemon Yellow as a kid, but I was very young. And then, like, Silver is, like, kind of where I got in my groove where I'm, like, starting to reason a bit. It's phenomenal. Like, and that's what probably my personal favorite generation. Um, we're moving along here. I do want to say, uh, I just want to ask one question. Who's the most useless Pokemon? The most useless? There's a couple, but there's quite a few. I I think. I mean, uh, Smeagol. Smeargle can be useful because of his uh, his attack that's called Sketch. Yeah. Be- so you can he is a normal type, but you can he can copy any move. What about Shuckle? Shuckle is actually a very viable mon uh, if you can actually use a. Uh, like a Shell Smash kind of team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a very high defense Pokemon, so if you can use Power Trip, well, you've seen which the, is a Gen you've 4 seen the, You've seen the Dorkly bits with Shuckle. You know, like... They, uh, they, they don't give him enough credit. because uh, yeah. you, Hey, Shuckle! Hey, I'm yeah. Shuckle, man. Yeah. But uh, Shuckle does not get any love, but his defenses and special defense are off the chart. So if you want to use... Like a gyro ball move would be great because mm-hmm. his speed's super low. Or you could use Power Trip to swap his attack and defense. Well, let's talk. About, let I think my overall useless Pokemon, I think, would have to what be Dunsparce. Bring it to me. Bring it to Daddy. Let's see what you got. Dunsparce. Dunsparce. 
Useless. Cashed in Generation 2 in that fucking cave. He is bulky, but God, I don't know of anybody in their right mind who would use a Don Sparse on a playthrough. What about the 15 Pikachu ripoffs? Like, was like the Tani Moto or whatever is that? But there's, they at least have some kind of viability. Like, uh, plus old mine and I know are relatively useless, but they actually work well on a doubles team. Um, Emolga oh, in Gen 5 is yeah. a electric flying, which has a ground weak, or a ground immunity. What's the, uh, what's the one, the, the Mikachu, the... A Mimikyu. A Mimikyu. Mimikyu, he... Breaks is... my heart every time I hear its story, is that the other Pokemon made fun of him, so he wanted to be loved, so he put on a Pikachu costume, and that's how he came to be, and that shit just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart, but in terms of competitive play, he is a beast. Is he really? He is... Is he a ghost electric? He's a what ghost... Is he? He's a ghost fairy. Ghost... Oh my goodness, that combination... It, it's a ridiculous combination, and his ability to disguise um, actually protects it from hits for a turn. So even though he's sad, he's strong. He is. He, he can take one hit. I, I feel like that's a lesson we learned for all of us. You can be sad and strong at the same time. Thank you, Mimikyu. 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 <laughs> it's okay. If we liked Sun and Moon better, we might have actually used him yeah. more. Um, I do just want to say... Uh, Steve mentioned to me that there's like what if scenarios, so I'm gonna give Steve a what if scenario here across the board. So what if you existed in the Pokemon world? What generation and Pokemon champion team? So you're in the Elite Four. You're the top dog, Steve. You're there. You're not maybe the top dog, but you're up there. You know, like top five. Lay down for me. I'm the top, aside from the protagonist that eventually beats me. Well, but I'm gonna make it difficult on him or her. Go on. Um, I gotta say that. Let me guess. Let me let me guess. Dark type. Oh, the Tyranitar. I love the dark type. My only downfall on that is Tyranitar being my ace, my favorite mon, mm-hmm. is not a Gen Four mon. I would want to be the Gen Four champion. I would want to replace Cynthia, because mm-hmm. she um, who did not really only, have a type specialty is only okay at best. She is the all absolute toughest champion. I think more than Lance, but um, in her level sixty four Garchomp can just destroy your world, Dragon Ground. Absolutely. Um, but if I had to take over any Gen, I'd be Gen Four champion. I would take over Cynthia's role, and unlike any other Gen, I wouldn't actually have to replace the type because Dark type is not a a Gen Four Elite Four type. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the Bug type, the Ground type, the Fire type, and the Psychic type. So I would mm-hmm. be the Dark type champion. Now, a Tyranitar would be my ace. Absolute. Do you feel like a longing in your soul, like a darkness that just like there's a, that you have to answer, and this is the way you answer it? I just think that the dark type is just a very versatile type because um, there are pure dark types, but there's also dark types that have uh, secondary typings of limitless proportions. So my ace would obviously be Tyranitar, a your rock and dark type. Um, it's a nice shirt you're wearing, your Tyranitar shirt. Absolutely. Um... But going off of mods that are Gen 4 and earlier, so 3, 2, and 1, uh, my team would be, obviously, Tyranitar is my ace. Um, Honchkrow is a Gen 4 mod, uh, a dark and flying type that I think is very versatile. That's the evolved form of Murkrow. Right. Yeah. Um, afterwards, it had to be Weavile. Sneasel. Um, Sneasel's evolved form, which, like I said, Gen 4 got a lot of love of Gen 2 mods that got secondary forms. Mm-hmm. Um, Sneasel or Weavile being a dark and ice type 
uh, you got to go with Houndoom because I love my dogs. I'm, I'm a dog guy. Uh, a dark and fire type. Um, rolling off with a pure with a pure dark type, uh, Absol would probably be my my lead. Um, it's just a speedy, speedy tank dark type. Uh, I think my final one on the roster would be uh, Drapion, a dark poison type. Yeah, the the scorpion looking one. Scorpios is a uh, first one. Yeah, do you, I figured I got to come out and set up with uh, toxic spikes on Drapion. Smart. So and every then, time, even if they move out, they still get hurt. Right. Now, like I said, Dark Type being weak to Bug Type, um, Tyranitar being quad weak to Fighting. It's not the most competitively sound team, but having a Dark Type team with a Rock, Ice, Flying, Poison. You're covering uh, a lot of ground. It's a lot of secondary typing. Yeah. So you're ready for that punk-ass kid who thinks he's tough shit. He's worked his way through eight maybe 16 different people, and he's like, boom, I'm here. I'm going to ruin your day. That's what you are, selfish Steve. You're going to ruin their day. And I'm going to set up toxic spikes on his ass and just watch him get badly poisoned every time he switches in a mod. I love it. I love it. Uh, I'll tell you what. I feel like we've had a really uh, enlightening conversation today, and we could probably talk about Pokemon for, I don't know, probably six more hours. Forever. For six, 16 more hours. Like, it's ridiculous the amount of knowledge, and like, how could we take the span of 20, 25 years and just put it down into... An hour. Maybe an hour. Maybe like, an we're hour. hitting 50 minutes here, Whew. and there's... I mean, I know, and it feels like I'm ready to talk about 400 other things. Oh, I could go on forever. I know. Uh, but I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, this is another drunk nerd. Uh, I'm Roy. This is Steve. I feel like we've had a lot of fun here. Uh, I've learned a little bit. I mean, not a lot because Steve isn't the best teacher, but he knows his stuff. When it comes to Pokemon, I, I know my shit. Yeah. So uh, I just want to say thanks for joining us. If you're interested in the podcast, definitely, you know, like and subscribe. Is that what's said these days? Is that what the kids do? Is, like that, what they're, is that what they're saying? I don't know. But essentially what I want to say is embrace the nerd. Embrace it. Embrace the nerd. All right. Thanks. Come again.